Welcome to episode 29 of Lil Muck, a tiny slice of the Muck podcast where we talk to people in the media and politics about their favorite stories or experiences. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Today we are interviewing Florida State Representative Bobby DuBose from District 94. Hillary, tell us about today's guest. Bobby DeBose's notable career of leadership within the Florida legislature began when he accepted the position of Democratic leader pro tempore until 2018, leading to the highlight of his final term, serving as the current minority leader for the 2020-2022 legislature. This accomplishment follows his many years of service as commissioner for District 3 with the city of Fort Lauderdale. Additionally, Representative DeBose was elected as chair of the Broward Legislative Delegation for 2016-2017. Representative DeBose received his bachelor's of arts degree in economics from the university of florida after graduating representative DuBose returned to his hometown neighborhood where he learned the true meaning of uh quote to whom much is given much is required thank you so much for being here with us rep thank you for having me we are huge fans like i mentioned yes. off uh recording <laughs> um and you know being democrats in florida uh we have wonderful leaders who are fighting very, very hard. I can't imagine what happens up there in Tallahassee, right. but um, we know what a house oh, rep boy. does. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I have to say, I, I love your honesty and uh, in, in like, I've seen you in plenty of wrap ups, uh, legislative wrap ups, and you don't, um, you don't mince your words. And I really appreciate that. Um, but can you tell us what the house minority leader does? What is your job uh, as the le- the leader in the house? I guess the easier uh, answer would be uh, everything and whatever is needed. But primarily the goal of the leader is twofold. Um, prior to coming into the session, uh, typically during the um, election side, so there's the political and then there's the policy. So politically is where it kind of starts up. And that's more so when you're a uh, sort of leader designate and your charge is to uh, – raise money and recruit the Democrats to um, expand the caucus. That's kind of the short answer of it. And that's what I did this last cycle, which was uh, very different, very difficult, considering we're in a pandemic. But um, I will say that um, the, the good thing out of everything was that I uh, met a lot of great Democrats up and down the state, a lot of great folks who ran for office, a lot of great folks who are just in the community and working for the everyday um, person in the state. And then the other side is the policy side is um, just making sure that the uh, caucus uh, works together to um, support democratic ideas, to support um, the districts that they represent. And this past session was very challenging as uh, you all may know, and uh, hopefully get a chance to get into to that a little bit. But uh, the state of Florida took on what the national tone was, mm. and uh, we have some very disgusting bills. Uh, but uh, my job as minority leader is to uh, make sure that the um, caucus is um, united and that we represent the party that we're elected to, and that we um, not only give a good fight, but we also help to shape uh, good legislation and make sure we draw down the dollars that are needed uh, for uh, our district. Mm, Man. So what do you see as the biggest challenges facing the Democratic Party statewide in Florida? Oh, man. Um, Our biggest challenge... um, uh, it's, it's the numbers, really. Um, Tallahassee is a numbers game. 
you know, as I tell the members, um, especially our freshman members, you know, the difference between any individual member, regardless of party, isn't a whole lot because we all go through the process to get elected to represent um, the state. The difference is um, the numbers. And when the numbers are greater, that's where the power lies. And so, you know, in the Florida House, there's 120 members and there's there's 42 Democrats. Mm -hmm. So there's um, 78 Republicans. And so when we go to shape policy, because they have the numbers, they have the vote, and they tend to stick together and just push the, the button, you know, in, in whichever direction, depending on what their leadership says. And so it makes it a lot difficult for us to uh, shape policy, to champion policy. That's good policy. So we spend a lot of our time fighting the awful stuff that's being presented. And so the biggest challenge is the numbers for us to uh, increase our numbers, um, not just up and down the ticket. So the thing that's really frustrating for me, and especially in this last session, um, are bills that um, don't help anybody. They don't help Republicans. They don't help Democrats. But it feeds a narrative that someone like Governor DeSantis wants to use to further his political career, in my opinion, like the ballot, the bill uh, with the voting um, and the ballots and getting rid of ballot boxes. Like that doesn't help Democrats. It doesn't help Republicans. And from what I understand, there were plenty of Republican uh, reps and senators who did not like this bill, but felt the need because of pressure or whatever their leadership is saying to deliver on it. Um, How do you navigate that? I mean, I, I can't imagine you hear from Republicans that are up there like, oh, we really don't like it, but we have to vote on it. What is this? Like, why, why does it have to be this way? Right? Like it's to hold on to power and it's so frustrating because it's going to affect millions of people in Florida. So um, that, that's an excellent question. And, you know, that um, was a big issue. And just to kind of set the stage uh, for Senate Bill 90, I call it the uh, voter suppression bill. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it is. But setting the stage, understanding that that bill is a national narrative. That's something that's coming from uh, Republicans nationally. Florida is not the only state that dealt with that bill. The one that caught probably the most attention initially was Atlanta. And so part of the question was, how do we deal with that? How do we combat that? How do we fight that? Um, what we what we do as a party, uh, as a caucus, not only do we stand united to be the voice, um, and, and, and in this case, you're correct, we're not only the voice for Democrats, we're the voice for Republicans, because we're, we're talking about vote, simple voting rights that should be afforded to everyone. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, we, we partner with our ally groups, um, you know, many of them out there, SEIU, NAACP, and so we look at this in a, uh, a longer and a larger approach. So we knew, you know, going in, we didn't have the votes, although maybe uh, individually, if you counted people up and it was, you you, you know, um, it was, um, if, if you count us up individually and talk to us about without party, you probably would have the votes. But when it comes time, those Republicans you mentioned who may not like the bill, they vote for the bill, like you said, because of pressure. So we know going in that we didn't necessarily have the votes, but we had to be the voice. We had to actually, you know, take this through the process, 
ask the questions, get things on, on record, because once that bill was signed, a uh, lawsuit was filed. Mm-hmm. And so it goes on to the next step in this process of fighting this egregious bill. So we have to make sure that we do our part, putting things on the record. So, you know, although we didn't have the numbers, we still play a part of this process and, you know, and that this thing was going to go to the court. So that's how we strategically uh, work on it. We also make sure that every step of the way we're messaging on this, we're, you know, really highlighting the there are parts in, the, in that bill that was definitely a power graph for the governor and mm-hmm. bring that to everyone's attention because things started moving really fast. And there are things that, you know, got national attention about not being able to give people water and lines. Mm-hmm. And although we had our bill is different from that, but there are other things that were, in my opinion, just as egregious that we needed to highlight to educate folks on both sides of the aisle. So that's how we prepare. That's how we play a part in that when you don't have the numbers, because many times we will see uh, the legislation go before the courts. And it's the things that we have put on record that really helps with that fight. I love it. I didn't even, I I don't even know why, and it's so naive on my part, but I didn't even take into account that you're getting things on record. Like I remember hearing you in a legislative session, like wrap up, talk about how everybody had their part. Okay. You're going to attack it on this side. You're going to attack it over here. I don't even know why it didn't occur to me that that would be part of this lawsuit of getting everybody on the record. Um, that's incredible. I <laughs> it's very smart. Yeah, how little very smart. Yeah. Listen, when you're fighting such egregious uh, legislation that's going to affect not only, I mean, current generation, but future generations, you got to use and put it all out mm. and lay it all out on the field. And not only do we have our parts, but we strategically ask the bill sponsor questions mm-hmm. uh, to raise issues. And, and many times they don't even know the answer. This legislation that we've seen, you know, with Senate Bill 90, with HB1, the anti-protester bill, Mm -hmm. um, the trans kids bill, all this stuff was like cut and paste. Yeah. I mean, you can go to other states and see the exact same language. So, you know, the Republicans are in this culture war. They're they're about fear because they're fearful. They're, They're projecting what they feel, what they know that America is evolving you know, mm-hmm. America is being more inclusive. It's it's very interesting when we talk about, you know, our governor and loosely I use that, but um, <laughs> he he has these, you know, bill signings and things like that. And you'll look in the background and it'll be mm-hmm. all white men right. and maybe, maybe two white females. Mm-hmm. That's not America. You know, that's not reflective. I mean, in this process, when you think about it, even a political process, it's women that are really driving to the votes, mm. at the, the, the polls and voting. So even from the onset, they're stuck in this good old boy mentality. You yeah. know, our, our caucus, um, the Democratic caucus, at least for the first time that I can remember, is majority women, mm. right? When you look on their side, I don't even think they're at 20%. Wow. And they have the majority in the chamber. These are little things that, you know, it's, it's not my feeling or what I think. These are facts. Okay. These are visual facts. And every time they do it, any time they sign a bill and do things like that, look at those Look at those things. To me, those are almost like subliminal messages that they're sending to us to try and tell, tell the rest of the world, look, this is how it was. It should be. It's going to be, you know, that type of deal. And that's right. just not 
that's just not what we're going to allow to happen. So, you know, we're as Democrats, we're scrappy, but we have to fight. And even with Senate Bill 90, I tell people, I said, there's so many components to it yes. that are, are definitely voter suppression tactics. But we have we've seen stuff like this before. We have to educate ourselves, maneuver through it. And, you know, I tell everyone to be ambassadors because the, the last thing we we got, we can't we can't let happen is for folks not to vote because yeah. we see it happening. Um, you know, Florida, we got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, we know what happened last cycle, how the state went and just, you know, up and down the ballots. But mm. we did have some wins. Right. We yeah. do have. And thank God that we you know, that President Biden and. Uh, oh. Vice President Harris won because, but for them, we would not be in the position um, financially that we're in. We talk about this budget and the things the governor did, but over $10 billion of that came from, right. you know, the Biden-Harris administration. So, again, although we're in a um, Republican-controlled state, it's the Democrats that have come in and helped save us through this pandemic. So, yeah. And- I'm sorry, Tina. That is a message that needs to be out there. Like right. all you hear, like I know what you're about to say, Tina, the thousand dollars to teachers, right? Like oh, you, that he's right. taking credit he, for. Yeah, he's yeah. taking credit, but this is from this, this package that came from uh, the federal level. Like, like it's an incredible, but there's just such an air of desperation to all of it too. Right. Like what you're saying, there's, there's just, they, they are in fear that they're going to lose power. They know that there's a shift that's happening, right. I which mean, is why on the state level, yeah. all of these states are passing these bills to fight against what the federal, right government's trying to do i mean, I mean it's my, my my next question would be to you is well let me let me yeah. say this though so it's very interesting on that note you know where the um in florida we have uh traditionally in the past you know not taking money for medicaid expansion mm. and we don't want federal dollars we, that's been the narrative since i've been there but man did they embrace all that money that came <laughs> Yeah, they I mean, they know what they need. Yeah, I I have a quick question. So, you know, you work working as the minority leader. You have all these freshman reps coming in. How do you prepare them, especially for this legislative session? That was Mm -hmm. all of these horrible bills. How do you prep them to be able to fight against it and not feel completely overwhelmed or just you know, feeling like they should run out of office immediately and wait, and before, <laughs> once they get in there. And before you answer, let's talk about these amazing reps from Broward. We had Robin Bartleman yes. who up there. We had um, Marie Woodson. I mean, amazing. Yeah. Oh, yes. Christine Hunchovsky, who yes. I love. Like, amazing amazing freshman Amazing women, yes. Yes, yes. yes. Um, Rep Dan Daly, although he's kind of a red shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, you're you're absolutely correct. And um, I I, I call them all rock stars because (laughs) this is by far the worst session that I've seen. And this is number seven that I participated in. Mm. And I mean, just not only the awful bills that they passed down, but also just, I mean, the, the, the lack of decorum or civility mm. on the floor we you know we questions we we ask questions on these bills just simply sometimes it's why this bill why is it needed you know we keep talking about sb90 you know this is supposed to be the best election florida's ever had the gold <laughs> right. standard i mean right, these yeah. are the things that came from the governor um and then we have these bills that saying hey everything was wrong we gotta you know switch it up and so, you know, we got responses like, because we can, 
Mm-hmm. Right. You know, people were rude. And, you know, I, you talk, I'm just thinking about the freshmen and they had their moments. And uh, one in particular was Robin Bartleman. And um, uh, Randy Fine was really rude to her. And yeah, I'm calling, calling names because you got to own your actions, right? Mm-hmm. If you did something great and I said it, you want the attaboys. So you do something wrong, somebody needs to smack you in the hand and say, you know, that's not right. And man, when I tell you, Robin Broderman found her voice and it was around education. She was amazing. And so when our freshmen come in, you do as much as you can. You reach out, you train, you, 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 we give them mentors, mentees. I mean, there's so many things that you try to do. And I remember being a freshman, but it's one of those things is, uh, you know, OJT is on-the-job training. Mm. Uh, you can never prepare someone for all the different things because a lot of it um, has to do with relationships. Um, things move really fast. It's like just try drinking out of a fire hose. And people <laughs> use that now, but literally that's what it is. You got this moving, you got that moving, you got people doing this, you got people doing that. You got people who you think you're building relationships with and they have their own selfish uh, interest. Mm. Um, you have you have members who are on the other side of the aisle that you work with. They love your idea and they're working with you and you think it's moving. But because the, the speaker may tell them, nope, I don't like it. And then all of a sudden it's complete shutdown. So you got to deal with that. You got to deal with stuff that you come and you say, you know what? I'm elected. I'm going to use my platform because I want to help, you know, children or I want to help, um, you know, the homeless. It's about like things that everyone says, you know, when they're running and these are great things and you get there and you find it's the most difficult thing to do, the Mm -hmm. most difficult piece of legislation to pass. So you're, you're trying to figure it out. You're, you're dealing with what your mental logically tells you makes sense. What your, your heart is like all in a knot because mm-hmm. all you want to do is help. You don't understand what people mean. So you, we, we do what we can to try and prepare people. And I came from local government. So I served on the city commission. So I thought I had a sense of, you know, process and policy and budget and all this other stuff. And I tell people, man, Tallahassee is a completely different beast. I mean, mm. when I got up there, it was moving fast and swift. So um, our freshmen did an amazing job. When I say I did an amazing job, and of course, everyone has hiccups and, you know, but the process in their first session, um, just, just keep an eye out on them. And especially um, our freshmen from Broward, um, they're rocking and rolling on uh, Hunchowski. Yeah. They, we had seven bill slots this year. And I think in one way or the other, she probably at least got five or six of them. Wow. Wow. The and, and, and that's amazing. Cause I remember when I was a freshman, I only passed a couple, but someone pulled me to the side and they're like, man, you are a Democrat from blue Broward and you got a bill passed. And I was like, yeah, they were like, that's amazing. And I didn't really get it. I was a freshman and I was just working really hard because I thought it was good legislation. So, um, um, I think all of our freshmen passed legislation and we tend to get targeted, um, in my opinion, and because Broward is so blue mm-hmm. and, uh, we are a donor County mm. uh, to add to that. So, when you see them, you know, tell them job well done and <laughs> yeah. keep the head up and to keep fighting and keep delivering for Broward. Um, so to be an elected, I think, and especially to run for like a state seat, you got to have 
a good constitution, right? Like yeah. I, even when you think about like everything, I can't even imagine the mental and physical toll it takes on folks that are up there, especially towards the end of the session. And then you think like right now they're going to start to try start to run, run again, again. Yeah. right? And then they got to go through a whole other election <laughs> yeah. cycle, which is a whole right. other beast. You're running and you're working. Until, uh, I cannot. How, tell us about how you feel at the end of the session. What does it feel like to be like, okay, this is done um, how long does it take to recover? I don't know. Like, yeah. I really want to know, like, what does it take to feel like, like you're coming home, you have a family, you know, you're surrounded by like support and love. Well, like, and that's what I was going to say. Um, the component, when people see it, they don't, they, not that they don't see it, but it just doesn't really get captured in a narrative the way it should. But the family component is so huge because it's not only, uh, you're fighting and you're dealing, but you're sacrificing. Mm-hmm. You know, you you could potentially be sacrificing birthdays and oh. and graduations and anniversaries and potentially for some first steps and mm-hmm. you know just those really big moments that you got to hear about. And when you're in Tallahassee, and sometimes you know Tallahassee, I tell people, you know, the process it can break your heart in mm-hmm. so many ways. And people have come to Tallahassee and been heartbroken. And some of them have left, and I'm not talking mm-hmm. just like between one individual and the other. I'm talking about an expectation or a love for country, the state, fellow man, and feeling, you know, a part of something that's bigger than self. And going up and finding out that it's not what, you know, you thought it would be. But, mm-hmm. you know, typically session is exhausting. And after session, a lot of times people just unplug. Uh, you know, I, and, and if your representatives are not as accessible, they are trying to have mental health wellness time. And they're trying to spend time with their family. You know, young kids don't understand, like, adults, and sometimes adult don't, adults don't either. But when you're aware you're missing things, you're trying to, make up for that because you know you got to turn right back around and leave and in this particular session we were only home for a couple of weeks and we had to go back for right. a special yeah. session that's right and so that in itself you know was like a roller coaster and and um so it, it's not easy it is definitely a sacrifice um and the bigger sacrifice i think is not necessarily the member but the the family members the the, the spouses the partners the, even, I mean, you know, your parents, your grandparents, your, your aunts, all those people that are close to you and you play a role in that family unit. And when there's a get together for someone's birthday on a Wednesday night, cake and ice mm-hmm. cream, we're going over to Nana, and you're not there because you're in Tallahassee, the family feels that mm-hmm. as well. So it's, it's not easy. Um, but you do it, and that's why I say hats off to anybody that runs for office. Yeah. And it's on both yeah, sides of the it. aisle. That's where we find our common ground when we are all like family members. We have kids and so forth. Um, it's a sacrifice. Um, I just feel that <clears throat> um, we we got to be mindful that each member that serves is a human being, just like the rest of us. Mm. So can you tell us, what then is one of your most memorable moments? You spend a lot of time up there in the house. What is one of the most memorable moments from your work? Oh, man. So um, I've been asked that question before, and I'm, I'm, I'm torn between two now. It, it's, it's 
Prior to it was the Groveland Four, um, working on that piece of legislation. Yes, we just talked about that last week on our podcast, and I mentioned that you were part of of uh, clearing their names, at least on the state level. That was amazing. Yes, incredible. And the biggest part of that for me was when the entire chamber, like to have the state of Florida apologize mm-hmm. to the descendants, to the family members for our role and having all my colleagues to vote unanimously. It just felt like one of those moments because one, we're talking about four young black men. I'm raising four young black men. Mm. And unfortunately, although, you know, this was years ago before I was even born, we're still dealing with similar situations today. Yes. And so that was kind of, that was my selfish, feel good, crowning, you know, moment where you felt like, man, I really did something, made a difference, you know. And then this session, when um, I we when I passed the uh, the Rare Disease Advisory Council bill, mm-hmm. and so I lost my mother to a rare disease and a scleroderma, and mm-hmm. you know, for you know at least eighteen years watch her mother be misdiagnosed, to not really have a platform, that no one's educating on this. And to be able, you know, every time I think about it, I do get a little emotional because I wish that um, she's seen me accomplish a lot of things, but to do something that really directly impacts the person that, you know, has meant the most to you. I mean, there's nothing like a mother's love and... (laughs) now know moving forward the state of florida does have a platform where you know we can service not only people but their family members because i went through it and we can direct you know help with medical research and education there's there's a platform where we can do multiple things here i can't even explain the feeling of that so you know i got a new one of those big moments. Um, but I've had some, I've had some moments there that have really uh, been, will, will leave an indelible mark on my heart. Um, but there have also been some moments too that have been um, not so crowning, mm-hmm. that <laughs> really um, make me think twice about some of the folks that are elected mm-hmm. and the policies that they shape. So it goes both ways. To, you got to flip the coin when you ask that question to folks. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a very good point. I mean, I got to tell you, I love politics. It's like, so does Tina. It's like a super geeked out thing that I love. But there's a question I always have when I hear about certain policies or how someone voted. And I think right. to myself, is this person a human anymore? Like right. what happened that they have lost <laughs> touch, right? Like how can they stand there? Or even on the floor, I've heard these impassioned speeches from someone like Michelle Rayner um, and, and Carlos Guillermo Smith was just on fire this entire session because of this anti-trans children bill. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you yeah. see the other side of it and you're like, you're listening to the other side. And I'm like, how can they even stand up with a microphone? Like right. what has happened that they've lost touch with like uh, being a human being basically is how it's, I see it. And empathy, the empathy has gone. I think some become very, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say detached. I don't know. They, it, it becomes more of a game, right? You know, they just want to win. And the way the system is set up, especially in the Republican Party, 
you know, they, they will punish you. So, mm. and, and you got to think too, the majority of them kind of, you know, you, you, they're almost monolithic in a sense. So these policies are very easy for them to embrace. You know, on our side of the equation, we are big tent and we have to, um, you know, take in consideration everyone's ideas mm. and then we kind of have to find a middle ground and then we move forward, right? right? Right. There are times, a lot of times our stuff is easy because it'll be garbage they send over and we're all like, yeah, that's like you said, that's not very human. So it's mm. easy for us to jump on board and you're right. Carlos was amazing. Michelle was amazing. I mean, you know, Fincher Striscoll was amazing. Oh, we God, just had some <laughs> amazing people to stand up and this session was hard it was mm -hmm. really really hard and i remember at the end and when you when you mentioned carlos's name um at the end of the session and carlos and i were talking i said man this is probably the worst session ever and i just you just felt like you know you're just so beat it beat down you know all that we put into with hb1 he said the trans kids bill, mm -hmm. um, SB90. And Carlos said something to me. He said, you know what, um, leader? He said this session wasn't so bad. And I'm like, Carlos, how could you say that? He said, man, because I can tell you what stood out and what shined. He said, how the Dems, you know, stood together mm -hmm. and we fought all these bills together, you know. And, and he made me think. I was like, you know what? We did. We did. And he was just pointing out, he said, since I've been here, I haven't seen us stand and fight like that. And so I said, you know what? Sometimes it's better to have a strong battle because, you know, this one session isn't the war, right? Mm. We, we take this stuff to court. And so, you know, I thought about it. And, and if you look at our session, I think you would be very proud of how Democrats oh, yeah. stood up and we were the voice of the people. And I think, as you stated earlier, even on both sides, I think at times we're the vote, we're the voice for, you know, all Floridians mm. um, on both sides of the aisle and independents, because what we said and what we fought for made sense. A lot of stuff is being pushed down by that former uh, CEO guy, uh, 45. I just mm. don't even, you know, you know, what I'm talking about, yeah. and he's just not a good person. And so they are following in his footsteps with right. um, a lot of these ideas. So uh, although we, and we've had some wins, again, as I said, um, there are members who passed legislation. I passed some legislation, as I told you, with the Rare Disease Advisory Council, also with um, students with disabilities. That's a, That was a big piece of legislation that myself and Senator Book got across the aisle. That's mm -hmm. something that, you know, has been worked on in a very bipartisan way for like 15 years. So there were some wins um, in spite of those huge, um, egregious, I call them Jim Crow 2.0 bills yeah. that um, the Republicans pushed. So I guess my final question would be, um, you're now running for another seat um, uh, for Congress and yeah. After everything we just talked yes. about, <laughs> where I would be like, bye, yeah, see, see you guys yeah, later. See ya. Um, you now want to run for higher, a, a, a larger seat. and uh, Which we're so excited about. So excited. Totally excited about. <laughs> um, so 
why are you called to serve? What is the, what is your motivation to continue to serve your community and constituents and the people of Florida? So for me, um, it took me, here's my journey to get to where I'm at. So I'll just highlight a couple of things. One, um, I'm turned out of the Florida house. Yes. So I had to think about, you know, what, what's, what's my next step? And, you know, people are like, well, what office? And I share with people part of considering what I was going to do next, um, not really knowing and say everything's on the table. The one thing that was on the table was actually, you know, just walking away from it all and just, you know, coming home and just being my family every day. Um, I served about six years um, and on the commission in Fort Lauderdale and, you know, I've done seven years in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just kind of that posture, but what was taking the majority of my time was being the minority leader and just coming off of a election cycle that was a lot of work and I was gone a lot. And then, you know, Congressman passed who um, many of us had great love for. So I'm no different. And I tell people, you know, Congress was, was like my modern day hero. You know, mm-hmm. he was, you know, for me, I appreciated his sacrifice so that we can enjoy and even have the opportunity to be in Tallahassee and fight the way we fight. I remember telling um, um, Representative Ramon Alexander, we're on the floor, and I think we were probably maybe even debating uh, HB1 anti-protester bill. And we were just so frustrated. We're in the back and especially black members, we felt like we were invoking our ancestors because we Mm -hmm. understood how important protest was and helped us to get the right to vote and all these other things. And, and I just said, man, can you imagine, you know, there's like 20 something of us here um, on the floor on this and, can you imagine back when there were like three or four, mm. you know, black people on this floor, you know, debating this stuff, or even when Gwen Sherry was, you know, the first black female to start. Can you imagine? Because when we we're, we were we were, many of us were in tears, you know, when we uh, debated on these bills, right? And so I, you know, I think about someone like, you know, Congressman Alcee Hastings and he trailblazed for us. And so when he passed, you know, it it hit us all deeply. And, you know, for me, this process, I always start with my wife. um, And and that's what I did. She's the big boss. (laughs) And I had a conversation with her about this and thinking about it. And my wife's a preacher's kid, so if you know anything about her, she the first thing she's going to say, we got to pray. And we did. Mm-hmm. And then I spent some time with my pastor. And I got to the place where, um, you know, I looked at what I had done. And even though I was in Blue Broward for a lot of I was the um, minority on the commission, the only black on the commission, but I was able to be effective with policy and getting things done for my district. And then going to Tallahassee and kind of having a reverse role and being able to work and get things done and work across the aisles as well and get major legislation accomplished. And looking at that, and there are a lot of people in the race, but that's a lane that I can own, right? Mm. And um, I know Tallahassee fan D.C., is also uh, very hostile, mm. but I think my journey from local to state has prepared me to be mm. just as effective and to continue to serve, um, you know, 
here. And so that's how I got to the place where I am now running uh, for Congressional District 20 and special elections November 2nd. I am super excited. I got to tell you, I made this decision while I was in session. And, you know, um, when I got home, just the response has been overwhelming. Um, I, I tell my wife all the time, I'm truly humbled by the response and I'm really excited. And um, I, this next chapter, I just feel just that I would definitely be able to serve um, the folks at Congressional District 20 just based on my years of experience. And if you look at my record, I've been able to uh, still speak truth to power and still be able to work effectively to help shape good legislation and pull down resources uh, for my district. Wow. I mean, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. We are so excited as well. I, I, yeah, I can't wait. I can't this, wait. <laughs> this entire race, I mean, it's going to be it's really, gonna be. it's going to be exciting to see yeah. how it shakes out and, um, and yeah, big shoes to fill, but I think yes. that you're going to do a great job in this, Incredible in this race. Job. Yeah, I'm very Incredible excited. Job. And I want to thank you for taking time on your Sunday to speak with us. I yes. hope you have a great day with the rest of your family. And um, thank you for all of your work, all of these years representing yes. us. Thank you. I mean, uh, it's incredible. And we thank you again so much for coming on the show today. Well, I want to thank um, the both of you because I tell people it's things like this that are really important because we got to make sure that we continue to educate and empower people. So those folks that are listening and hearing you are all now ambassadors to go out to get more information, yeah. to educate, because that's the way we start to change things, right? It's all about the narrative. And so we all got to do our part. It's like one of those great big puzzles with all these small pieces. And when you lay it on the table, people are like, what is this? But as you start to put each little piece together, and then after a while, you can see the picture and everyone fits in. And so what you're doing is extremely important. You know, I tell people your piece of puzzle means that if you hold it to yourself, the puzzle will never be complete. So that's how important it is. So what you guys are doing is super important. And I thank you uh, for your time. And hey, anytime you want me to come back, I'll come back. If you want me to come back and dive in deeper on some of these crazy egregious bills oh, I will that would I be amazing <laughs> well i don't right, i mean <laughs> i definitely want to have you back but i probably yes. won't record it i want to hear all the dirt <laughs> that's what i want <laughs> but i won't record we'll just talk about all yes. the, the dirt but um you i'll, I'll always keep it 100 oh god you're right I, maybe i don't want to know i'm yes. already angry do i, I really need more information now probably oh my goodness <laughs> Well, you have a lovely day. Thank you so much. Thank Rep. you so much. All right. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. If you want to learn more about this week's guest, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for the Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.